everybody's got a first day at the gym, right? Where they they walk in and you're either overweight or you're or you're the super skinny guy that looks like they've never seen a weight. And there's you look around the room and there's all these people in great shape. Well, man, they didn't start out that way. So, you know, how they got there was showing up every day and combining a bunch of small factors together to equal to where they are today. And any anything else in life is the same way. Welcome to Behind the Thread, the podcast where we interview your favorite content creators on Twitter so you can learn more about the person behind the tweets. Unfiltered, unscripted conversations with your favorite entrepreneurs, influencers, and investors. On this episode, we have Blake Birch. By day, he runs the manufacturing arm of a business in Oklahoma. He has also built a huge Twitter following. In the last 10 months, he went from not even commenting on people's tweets to building an audience of over 150,000 people on Twitter. He tweets out about life advice, threads on productivity hacks, and cool business stories, like how the UFC built a $7 billion business, or how the brand Crocs went from being called the ugliest shoe ever to selling millions and millions of pairs. In this episode, we really went deep on what makes Blake so successful on Twitter, and really just his mindset and approach to life. A lot of wisdom, a lot of gems in this one. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Let's get into it. Blake, welcome to the pod. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Glad, glad to be here. Glad to be here. Okay, so just to begin, Blake, could you kind of just give a one to two minute intro, just tell the people kind of who you are, what you're working on, you can kind of take it wherever you want to. Uh, can you do that? Yeah, sure. Who I am. I'm just an average guy. Um, <laughs> that, that's the truth. I just started started writing on Twitter, oh, six, seven months ago maybe a little longer than that, but really just for me, just thought it'd be interesting, something to try, stumbled across a few threads that I'd, I'd seen some other people write and kind of had a mix of seeing things that I saw people write and thought, man, there's no way I can ever write as good as these people. And then I saw a few that I thought, hey, I think I could write, I could write something like that. So, you know, just tried my hand at a few, and for whatever reason, people seem to like them. <laughs> it seems it seems to be working. So, really, day job. I run a I run the manufacturing arm of of a business in in Oklahoma, and that's kind of where I've spent my last you know fifteen twenty years as is running uh, manufa- manufacturing operations for uh, a couple different companies. So a lot of the life advice type stuff or productivity type topics that I write about is is stuff I've learned over the last few years or the last several years, stuff I've messed up that I've done wrong or I've made errors and, I, and I've learned from that. So uh, trying to do a little bit of like a parent does with a kid, man, maybe... Maybe I can put some stuff out there that says, man, I've gone down that road. If you do this a little bit differently, or if you change that, you'll have some better results. So that's, that's kind of, kind of what I'm doing. Okay. Awesome. I think one of the things that really um, stands out about your account um, and your tweets, 
Um, and I encourage everyone that's listening to go and follow you is that you really talk about a whole range of topics. I've read threads that you've written about how the UFC grew to being like a $7 billion business or like how Crocs went from being called the ugliest shoe ever to being uh, selling like millions or billions of pairs. I'm kind of just interested. Can you talk about what interests you just in life in general? You seem to touch on a lot of different topics. So I think that would be cool for people to know. Obviously, by, by what you just said, a lot of different things interest me. And, and I think one of the things I was really cognizant of, worried about early on that I've that I've, I think, gotten over over time is I heard a lot of talk about, man, you need to have a specific niche. You need to have something you're known for that you write about. And I thought, man, I've never, I, I don't, I haven't owned a business. I haven't sold a business. You know, a lot of what you see on Twitter that, that gets traction is I sold a business for X amount of dollars and I founded this business and you know, I've just got stacks of money everywhere. Well, I haven't done any of that. I've worked for some pretty cool businesses. I've got some pretty interesting stories, but I'm not a founder. So so I didn't have those stories to tell. So kind of what the, the path I went down was, I thought, you know, nobody's going to know who I am. I, I'm not a recognized name when when I started. I wouldn't say that I am now. Maybe I am more than I think I am. But I just had, I've operated under the assumption that uh, the world is a really big place. And if I find something interesting, there's going to be a subset of people out there. There's going to be a segment of the population that, that finds it interesting as well. So, so to answer your question, when I first started, I started off writing just trying to find like obscure stories of businesses that had done well that maybe people hadn't heard of just because I like the business world. I like those kind of topics. I find that interesting. So I thought, man, if I could combine business and monetary success with maybe lesser known stories that people haven't heard, that was kind of the first, first path I went down. And then then it's just kind of grown from there. And honestly, I write about things that, that I find interesting that, you know, maybe for instance, uh, some of the life advice stuff um, that I write about is this stuff I've struggled with myself that I struggle to be productive, you know, or as productive as I would like to be, or I struggle, you know, to know what should I do next or, you know, I, I, one, I think the best performing one I ever, I, I've written was on Gmail and every, everybody uses Gmail. If, if you're like me, you struggle with your inbox filling up and piling up with tons of messages and feeling overwhelmed that you're not getting to it all, or you're not replying quick enough. So, you know, stuff like that goes through my head. And I just think, you know, if I feel this way, what do, what tactics do I use to combat this? And how could I write those in a way that maybe I can help some other people deal with the same, same struggles I deal with? Okay, I think that's really interesting. And one point that I think a lot of people, myself included, will resonate with is if you look on Twitter, a lot of the people that get traction, especially in kind of the startup business type Twitter, 
or like VC Twitter, their partners at VC companies, their founders of million or billion dollar startups. I think there's a lot of people that want to contribute, but they don't necessarily have some incredible jaw-dropping accomplishment that they can point to and immediately sparks like a ton of interest. Can you kind of just speak about the initial stages of you starting out on Twitter? What were those first few tweets like? Because I know sometimes it can feel like you're just, <laughs> you're tweeting into the ether. It's, you're yeah, tweeting yeah. into a black hole. Like, how, how did you even begin to get traction? You're right. That is how it feels. And what I always tell people is, you know, with anything in life, not just Twitter, if you're trying to start anything new, do anything big, do anything interesting, and you're a relative unknown, man, you need to be ready for no one to care for a while. Because that's what's going to happen. The first several I wrote went nowhere. No one cared. No one read them. No one saw them. And that's good and bad. You know, anybody, you know, dealing with concern about, do I have anything worthwhile to say? Am I going to sound stupid? Why would anyone listen to me? The good news is, if you write something that stinks, especially on Twitter, no one's reading it. So no one's gonna see it. So yeah. it's a it's a pretty cool place in that if you fail, it's usually not you usually don't fail on a big scale because people don't share it, people don't comment on it, it doesn't get traction if if people don't find value in it. So it's a pretty easy place and it's a pretty quick feedback loop too. If it works it works pretty quickly and you get a lot of feedback and and it, you can tell it resonates with people. So anybody that's asked me, I've told them, you know, my advice is just start putting some stuff out there. That's exactly what I did. I had no clue what I was doing. Still don't, you know, to some level. I've learned a lot in the past few months, but I would just tell people, you know, just just put some stuff out there and the audience will tell you whether it's 10 people or 10,000 people or 50,000 people, you try a few different topics that are interesting to you, write something that write something you find entertaining that you find valuable and your, your audience will come back to you and they'll tell you what's good. <laughs> you know, you'll, you won't have to ask. They'll tell you what's your, and then when something resonates, and it gets traction, all I've done from there is then double down on on whatever that is. So if a more tactical thread like Gmail or Google Sheets or how to do X, if that works, then I've tried to think, okay, what what's some more things in that genre that I could do? And and then the same thing with, you know, some of the life advice type stuff. Those have seemed to work. So I've tried to to do more of those. But that's that's the general principle I, I've operated with is throw some different topics out there that are interesting to me and see what when one resonates, then I try and go deeper on that individual topic. Do you feel like... It's purely, so like if you write great content, people will find it. Because I'm also assuming that you could be writing great content and just because you don't have a ton of followers, 
or uh, you don't have a big established name yet, no one could see it. What, what do you kind of think about that? There's truth to that. I, I'm going to give you a, a, an answer out of both sides of my mouth. I'm going to say on one hand, man, I think great content wins. If you're writing good content that, that's valuable, that's insightful, and I should preface this by saying, at this point, I've written 60-some threads since May. Some of those are definitely better than others. You're going to write some clunkers. You're going you're gonna to write some that 20 minutes after you put it out there, you're going to want to delete it. You're going to think this, this isn't any good. But say all that to say, I, I do think good content ultimately wins. It will get found. Now, here's the answer out of the other side of my mouth. You got to hustle. You got to hustle to get distribution. You have to, you got to network. You got to talk to people. You got to make friends. And, and that's just good old fashioned networking. Uh, same as you would do anywhere else in life. You know, the, uh, the old adage or cliche of, you know, it's not what you know is who you know. It's so true. It, it's great if you can have both. If you can actually have some knowledge that's, that's worth sharing and then have some connections to, to share it, definitely helps. But I would say, for me, start with the, start with the content first. And because if you reach out to people and, and you don't have you know, some content to share that, is, that they find valuable, then it's not going to resonate with them. And it's, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be tough to build that connect. So to me, it all, to me, it all starts with the content. Okay, I think you really nailed it, which is the two sides of it, right? Which is number one, incredible content. But I think kind of today with where the internet is at, there's an abundance of like great content, great creators. So you need that second piece of like the hustle to really get that distribution. Maybe it's people retweeting your tweets, things like that. I'm kind of interested. Can you kind of talk about your first tweet that you felt like really hit? Like it kind of, maybe it doesn't even do as well as the tweets that you do now, now that you're more established, but it was the first one where you were like, okay, this is starting to work a bit. I'm getting a bit of traction. I can make this work. And then how much of it was like incredible content? How much of it was like you were hustling? Can you kind of talk about that? Sure. There's two that come to mind right off, right off, and they're completely different. The first one, so another thing to, to circle back, one of the first things I did when I, when I started out was, you know, I'm trying to figure out what to write about constantly. and I committed to myself one of the things that that I I made a promise to myself early on was that I'm going to I'm going to write one to two threads a week every week just to have a consistent consistent content base that I'm putting out there. That's easier said than done. So uh, kind of the 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 process I fell into at the beginning was I would try and write one thread a week that was original content, something I came up on my own. And then the second tweet I would try and write every week was more of a curation of either other people's tweets, other people's content, interesting websites, something where I was just aggregating content from other sources and try and do that in an interesting way. 
And the first one, one of those that I did early on an account, the guy's name is Stephen Bosch. He has around 90, 90 to 100,000 followers currently, I think. But he retweeted one of the curation ones I did. And man, when you've got 500 to 1,000 followers and someone with close to 100,000 retweets that you notice. So when he retweeted it, I thought, oh man, someone someone with a substantial following is that actually found some value in this. So that was kind of the first one that I thought, maybe I'm on to something here. Maybe they're, I, to be honest, I had no idea what, what am I doing differently? I got, I have no idea, but I, but I had the thought at the time, okay, I must be doing something differently here that this person found, found value in it. So that was one. The second one was a thread I wrote on, on the ugliest shoes that have ever been made Crocs. That one, that was the first one I wrote that I would say actually went, went viral. And, and I got a lot of, feedback, a lot of commentary on that one from higher profile accounts, basically commenting on my writing style and, and how I wrote it and that it was engaging and a good mix of interesting story and interesting business, you know, facts about, you know, how much they'd grown and how they'd kind of ridden this wave of becoming really popular, having a big valuation, and then kind of tailing off and then riding the wave back up again. So those were, those were kind of the two that I thought, maybe I'm on to something here. You know what's interesting? And I said it earlier in the show. I think you really write about such like a diverse range of topics. I kind of want to give people something like really practical, like anyone that wants to kind of do what you've done, how they can go and implement that straight away. So I'm interested to know, like, what is, how do you get inspired to write a thread? Like, how do you find topics? How do you find topics that are a bit more niche that other people haven't already touched upon or written about? I'll answer that in two ways. First, how I find topics. I use Notion which I think a lot of people use now, but I'm a big believer in, I, I've got to capture ideas when they pop in my head or uh, 10 minutes later, they're gone and I, and I won't remember them. So I, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in just, I look at the world and, and what's going on around me in just day-to-day -day life. And when I, when I see things that I think are interesting, or I think, I don't know how to do that, or I wish I knew more about that, things like that, then I'll just grab my phone, jump into the app and type a quick note. And then from there, I will go and just chase that down a little bit. And not, not everything I throw a note in there turns into a thread. Kind of the bar I use is I will go, I'll go run something down. And if there's eight or nine points I find in relation to that topic. And I already know every one of them when I go search, then I think, eh, this probably isn't this interesting. Most people probably already know this. And, and the same holds true the other way. If, 
if I think of something and I go do a few quick Google searches and I find three or four more things in relation to that topic that I didn't know, then I think, man, there's probably a decent chance there's a good chunk of people that don't know this either. Those tend to be the ones that then I'll go run those down and say, all right, what else? Can I make a thread out of this? What, what other information can I find that maybe a good portion of the population doesn't know or would find helpful? So th that's kind of how I capture ideas and then go run them. As far as you mentioned not writing something that everyone else has has written about, I have what I think might be a, a different take on that than a lot of people. I don't care if I don't care if it's been written about. I did, I did care about that a lot when I first started. And what I've figured out over time is it doesn't necessarily matter if, if other people have written about it. What matters is, have you written about it? Because just because two other accounts have written about it, not all the same people follow you as follow them. So they may not have seen it. Man, Twitter's fast. There, there's a lot of information and a lot of content. So the 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 turnover rate with with Twitter con content is is fast. So I think there's a lot of stuff that just because it got posted by somebody two weeks ago, it's long since been forgotten. Pro probably wasn't seen by everyone. And most importantly, everybody's got a different voice how you say something, how I say something, how another account says something, it may not resonate with people when I write it, but when Sahil Bloom writes it, it may resonate because he writes the exact same topic and just says it in a different way. So I'm, I really do think that you can write on topics that have already been written by someone else and when you write it in your own voice, in your own way, you understand it differently. You're going to say it differently. You can write about the exact same thing and have it resonate with a whole different group of people. And and the same thing. There's going to be people that, like with my audience, uh, I'm just going to assume that there are people that follow me that enjoy the the life advice type stuff and could care less about Gmail tips and tricks and vice versa. I think there's people that probably think I have no idea what I'm talking about in regards to life in general, but like learning tips and tricks for Google spreadsheets. So I worried a lot more at the beginning about having a specific niche than I do now. Now I actually think some of the growth I've experienced is, is because I write about different, different topics and people find, you know, people find a little bit of, you know, they're not exactly sure what I'm going to throw out there mm -hmm. each weekend. And, and maybe they, maybe they find that in and of itself interesting. It's, it's interesting the point you make about having a voice and having kind of your, like people might've heard something before, but they haven't heard it from you. Yep. And I think a lot of people, when they get it, get into this, they kind of think that, you know, and, and I've thought this as well, that you need to come up with something original, something that no one else is doing, but it's really difficult to do that. Like there's so many humans in the world, right? Like it's nothing, so hard to come Nothing to come, new under the sun. 
doesn't exist. <laughs> so, so, this, do. so this is one of the things I'm interested to hear from you, which is, I think you have a very distinctive voice on Twitter. It's kind of almost business productivity material, but there's a big storytelling component to it and how the way you write. How did that come about? How, if I'm just starting my Twitter account, I'm trying to find my voice, I'm trying to build my brand. How can I start to develop my voice? Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a good question. But I have tried to be very intentional in in how I write in in a couple different aspects. One, I've tried to be I don't know, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. I've tried to be the voice of just everyday people or a not the voice per se, but an a voice of just average common ordinary people. I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of let's use big words and fancy jargon and talk about, you know, dream scenarios. And for most people, that's not realistic. That's not reality. That's not the world that most people are living in. So I've tried to mix. Yeah, I like reading stories about uber successful businesses and millions and millions of dollars. and and acquisitions and sales and all of that's really interesting. I also like to I also like to read all of that in in a way that's as you said kind of in a storytelling kind of way that's an interesting way way to read it. If you just write x company grew from 10 users to a million users and from $1000 in revenue to $50 million in revenue and then they sold it and that's all you say, that's pretty boring. So what I try to, or it's boring, it's not very deep, I guess is what I would say. Maybe boring is not the right, right word. It's interesting on the surface level that, okay, cool, they went from a very small number of users to a big number of users, and they sold for a bunch of money. That's kind of the beginning, middle, and end of the story in five seconds. That That doesn't keep people interested. So what I've tried to do is try and mix a little bit of personal background to the stories or a little bit of human element to them just to say, uh, there's more to these. All of these people are just people. You know, I think they get put on on this pedestal of they've done these amazing things. And while they have, man, they're all just people. A lot, of, a lot of these people are no different than you or me. They started out, you know, doing something relatively small and, you know, through a combination of consistency, hard work and time, they got lucky and, and they, and they hit it big. But um, I think for, for a lot of people finding Finding your voice is 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 just saying. I read a lot about one of the things I've read is just it says you know I read a, a lot of times write like you talk. Well, that that sounds that's a lot easier said than done. Number one, number two, I I do try and write like I'm having a conversation with people, or I try and write in a way that I think would find that that I would find interesting to read, or I think more people would find interesting to read. So I guess to answer your original 
question. How how I would tell people to find their voice is they've already got it. Just use it. Don't try and be something you're not. Don't try and say, like, I think I'm a good example of this. Man, I'm just a dude living in Oklahoma in the middle of nowhere. So I don't try and pretend that I'm I'm something I'm not. I try and say, here's how I look at this. Here's how I would write this. Here's how I read this. And the example I always give to people is one from the the Gmail thread I wrote that there was there was a line in there about scheduling emails and man I've spent the last 15 20 years uh, managing large groups of people helping to run uh, fairly large businesses and there was a there was a section in the Gmail thread about scheduling emails I I totally get that the functional purpose of that is if you're if you're in management or leadership within a, within a business, you might be at home at 11 o'clock at night and you're thinking about, here's an email I need to send out to my entire team. And I'm going to sit there and write this at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm going to schedule it to go out at eight o'clock tomorrow morning, because that's when my team will all be in the office. And that's when I want them to see it. Well, that's a, that's a functional productive use of of that portion of gmail of scheduling an email i didn't think that was super interesting from a thread writing perspective for a lot of people so i think when i wrote it i said something like hey did you know you could schedule emails in gmail you can look like you're working when you're not that's a totally different way of framing the exact same thing and i just thought more people are going to resonate with or get a laugh out of or find it interesting that, hey, I can look like I'm working when I'm not, than, than saying, hey, did you know you can schedule an email for tomorrow? That that doesn't sound, that's not super interesting. So anyway, that's to circle back, that's where that's where I say, man, you've already got your voice. If if just be who you are. Say say it how you would say it to your buddy sitting across the hall, not not how you think everyone else wants to hear it. Because what everyone really wants is they want to read something that is like they're talking to their buddy or like they're talking to their friend. That that's interesting. You know, people people spot a people can spot a fake a mile away, man. People know if you're trying too hard you know yeah you know what's so interesting i think you make a great point which is like in today's world i feel like authenticity is it's a selling point in itself and the same thing that you're saying about twitter where people just want to feel like they're talking to their friend i feel like it's exactly the same thing with podcasting for instance when you're listening to a great podcast what makes it great it's like you're just sitting with your friend or maybe you're in the room listening to someone that you really respect it's that same authentic just tone and vibe i think one thing i'm really interested to to learn more about kind of your process of writing tweets and making them your own you spoke about how you find topics that you enjoy or that you want to write about once you found the topic what kind of happens next will you just quickly write a first draft and then 
redraft i know a lot of people that do that does yeah. it kind of just come out perfect <clears throat> off the jump <laughs> um, i wish <laughs> that's funny and to to jump back in time real quick to something you just said man you're right the best writing the best podcast uh the best any form of creation looks easy it looks like you're not trying you know to your point the best podcast man or if if it sounds like you're just listening to two dudes that have known each other forever or or two people that have known each other forever and and they're just having a a normal conversation they would have every day those those are the best writing's the same way if if you read something that feels forced or that feels like I'm trying to sound really smart or I'm trying to sound really important. Man, people can see that. They can they can hear that when you talk. They can see that in your writing. People are smarter than you think, you know. If if you're trying to be something you're not, people can people can tell. As far as as far as what happens next after I find a topic, I've said this to a couple people that have asked me similar similar questions. I feel like my answer is always disappointing, but but it's a real answer. Man, I just do a lot of research. I'll I'll go try and read books or articles or just search online about a given topic and and then from there, kind of what I said earlier, if if I start to uncover more things that I find interesting or that I didn't know, then then I'll run further down that path and see if there's something to build on from there. If I find a bunch of stuff that I already knew or that I don't think is that interesting, then I just assume other people won't either. And and I kind of stop. But once I decide to go further, by no means does it come out perfect. As a matter of fact, I never think they're very good. I always, I'm consistently to this day shocked that anyone finds them interesting or that anybody finds value in them out of out of 60 some i've written i would i would honestly tell you there's been less than five that when i posted them i genuinely thought man this is pretty good i think it'll do well more more the opposite actually there there's probably been some that i thought were decent that fell flat and some that i thought were terrible that have done really well but as far as 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 the actual process, I think I do it a little differently than than some people I've talked to. I write once I have a co- topic, I try and write hooks first. I always write hooks first and then build off of that. So I write the the opening tweet first, and then I try and build build content off of that and and fill in and that and that, that I'll go back and change. You know, once I've got the body written, then then often the hook will change. But I usually start there and then build build on that. And and I'll write, you know, if if something has if something I write has ten points, let's say, you can pretty much bet that it had fifteen or twenty. And I'll usually write fifteen or so and then when I get done, I'll let it breathe for a little bit, let it breathe for a few hours or a day or two, and then go back and read it again. And usually after I do that, there's a, there's at least a few that I don't like, that I don't think are very good, that I'll, that I'll cut. So 
saying all that to say that's that's generally how I do it. On the flip side, I've had a couple that I didn't have anything written on a Saturday morning, but I wanted to post something. And I got up at five o'clock on Saturday morning, wrote something in an hour and posted it. And they've done better than something I spent five hours on. So, so sometimes just, you know, inspiration strikes, you'll just have a topic that'll pop in your head and, and it'll flow really easily and, and, and it'll do really well. But for the most part, I put some, I put some time into researching writing a few drafts, letting it sit for a while, and then coming back and editing it down to, to end up with a final product. You, you know what's really interesting about the point you make about the ones that you wrote in like an hour have tended to perform better? I think it, I think it really mm-hmm. goes back to what we were saying earlier about like the authenticity, right? Which is like, you were inspired in that moment, an hour later, it was posted. So it's like, it's really raw if you think about it. Like it's really authentic. It's really genuine. It's what you were thinking at that time. Yeah, there's no, there's no time to overanalyze yeah. and and overthink it. And you know, people, I've probably said this in ten different threads I've written, but and and, and I'm guilty. You know, that's I'm guilty of this as much as anybody else. But people get in their own way a lot. People worry about. How is this going to sound? Is this exactly right? Should I switch this word for that word? Should I include the? And most of the time, you're being overcritical because you're you're intimately involved with that piece. You've you've read it fifty times, and you've looked at it over and over and over again. And you're you're probably at some point you just got to hit send and move on. You know, or think. Like I said, I'm I'm guilty of this as as much as anyone else. But at some point, you've just got to say, "Man, I just got to throw this out there." I mean, I've I literally spent years thinking about posting something online, writing online, and never did it. And then when I first did it, I spent a lot of time worrying about how is this going to sound and obsessing over did I get everything right? Is is there anything factually wrong? Do I sound stupid? You know, asking yourself all of these questions. And ultimately, the facts are a lot of people are going to scan your thread. They're, they're not going to read it word for word. They're going to scan through it. They're going to hit the high points. And if something resonates with them, if something hits, then they're going to comment or share it. And they're going to be on, on with their day. So, you know, I, I, I've learned to, to your point, probably spend a little less time worrying so much and spend more time of just being real, just putting out there something that's real, something that is genuine and interesting to you. And odds are there some other people will find it interesting too. You know, I think it's such a, it's such a good point because... Obviously, it's good to edit. It's good to make things better. But I think it comes to a certain point where you're just like, you're stripping away the authenticity of what you originally wrote. I think one thing I think could be really helpful for people, because I think there's so many people, like you said, that are trying to get over the anxiety. Like they're trying to get over the hump of like, you know, I've been on Twitter for years, for months. I haven't posted anything. 
I want to start posting seriously consistently. Tell me if I'm wrong with saying this, but I'm pretty sure I heard a story in my first million, the podcast, where they spoke about like you had you had some sort of interaction with Sam that got you into posting on Twitter. Am I am I off with that? Oh no, no, that's that's it. That is true. Yeah. Those guys I love the podcast. And I think I think the reason their their podcast is is as popular as it is is exactly what you touched on earlier. Is it sounds like you're listening to two dudes just talking, just two friends, you know. So yes, I was a fan of that podcast and because of that I was, you know, followed Sam and Sean on Twitter. And like I said, I was just I was the, what I think is probably most users, the guy that I read Twitter, followed accounts on Twitter, but I, I never contributed anything. And Sam sent out, I just happened to be sitting at my desk one day at work and Sam sent out a tweet that said something to the effect of he was going to be driving through Oklahoma City in a couple of days and had some time. If anybody wanted to meet up, they should comment and he'd see how much interest there was. And for whatever reason, I have no idea why. I never commented, never did anything. This one I commented on and, and said, you know, hey, I'd be interested or, or something something to that effect. Not really thinking, thinking this guy won't care. <laughs> this will go nowhere. And, oh, a few minutes later, he put out, I think it was an Eventbrite link that said, okay, Seems to be some interest here from from some people. I've secured a conference room at this hotel for a breakfast. And first, I don't remember, 20 or 30 people that sign up on this link. That's all we have room for. If you want to want to sign up, sign up. So I hollered at a friend of mine that I work with and said, man, you want to go to this? Don't have no idea what will come from it. But, you know, what the hell? My, <laughs> why not? So. Signed up, went to it, and it was pretty cool. It was super laid back, super informal, and kind of what resonated with me was towards the end of the, it was just a breakfast. Towards the end of the breakfast, someone that was there asked Sam, they said, you know, if if you've wanted to create stuff online, but you're not sure where to start, you're not sure what to do, where would you start? What would you do? And And he said something to the effect of, Twitter is where it's at right now. All of these, um, all these people that are starting great businesses or creating interesting stuff or building interesting concepts, you know, they're all on Twitter. So if, if I was going to start something, what I would tell you to do is get on Twitter, find some accounts that are interesting to you, whatever whatever topics are of interest to you. He said, go find those and then start interacting with those people. Comment on their threads or on their posts, share their stuff and and just start interacting and, and see where it goes. And man, I have no idea why. I have no idea why, but for some reason that is, that stuck in my brain. And a couple of days later, I wrote, I wrote the first thread, which I think was about the guy that inter invented the Rubik's cube, if I remember right. But I just started doing that, doing exactly what he said. 
and started interacting with people, commenting on their stuff, and kind of the rest is history. It's it's grown from there. But yeah, that that's kind of what started it was he he said that and for, for whatever reason that stuck in my brain and and I started doing it. You know it. what's interesting? I think one of the one of the most important things is like when inspiration strikes, it's like you have to ride the wave. Like you have to keep it going. I think there's so much like procrastination, things that we're scared of doing, that once you get that like push and you start taking action, it's like motion creates more motion. So you have to you have to keep going. And that's exactly what you did. And now you have over like a hundred thousand followers and you're killing it, right? This is Yeah, I mean Twitter, exercising, your job, your marriage, anything in life, if you want it to go well, you have it requires consistent effort. It doesn't just happen. You know, and I think that's the struggle, you know, people, myself included, run up against is, you know, everybody wants, wants the outsized results without, but you have to put in outsized consistent effort over time, you know, to make that happen. And yes, that's the number one thing I tell people on, on, they ask me how I grew, how I've grown the audience I've grown is just consistency. Um, I've written one or two threads a week, every week since May of last year. And uh, there's definitely some that are better than others, but I made a, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to do it consistently. And at the outset for at least a few months, and I was like, I'll, I'll see what happens. And, you know, once what people what you have to understand and and it's like anything once you have any level of success then it gets easier to keep going but if you but if you don't keep going long enough to get to the success then you never get there which sounds so simple but it's i think that's the problem that we all have is we we stop right before we get there and you never know how close you were to getting there because you stopped, you know, and there's a point and, and I think it's different for everyone. And I think it's different for, you know, every discipline, but there's a point where the, the bias switches from, you have to make a decision to act. You have to make the decision not to. and so now I, whether, and like I said, whether that's exercising or writing or something with your day job, you know, at some point you've taken the action repeatedly so long and so consistently that you're no longer making the decision to take the action. You have to make a decision not to. That's the point I would tell people you've got to get to is like for me now, it's not a decision of if I'm going to write something every week. It's a decision. I would have to make a decision not to, and that would bother me way more than before. When I first started, I was really struggling with the decision of, do I want to write something and do I want to put something out there? And do I want to face the, 
the comments and the critiques and the criticisms from the rest of the world. Now it's, it's much more the other way of I'm going to feel like I'm missing something if I don't, if I make the, now the decision is the other way. I would have to consciously decide. I just assume I'm going to every week. Not that I, that I won't. Okay, cool. There's one thing that I have to ask you. I was like, at the start of the interview, I was like, okay, I need to get this question out, which is, and, I, and I'll give the audience some context, which is, so Blake and I initially met doing Sean Puri's power writing course on Maven. Check out Maven, by the way. I think it's, they do a number of great courses on there. And you actually retweeted one of my tweets. And after you did that, I checked out your account and I read a few of your tweet threads. And I do this thing on Twitter where like, if I find someone's account interesting, I'll set up notifications so I see everything that they're posting. And so I, I've had notifications set up on your account for it must be like six months now. So I'll get notifications whenever you post, whenever you comment on someone's post. And I think I said this to you in the email when I initially reached out to you. I was like, you are one of the most consistent tweeters out of any of the accounts <laughs> that I have notifications for. Like you you're always tweeting, you're always responding, you're always engaging with the community. I think it's such, it's one of the best traits you can have, right? Being consistent. I want to know, obviously it becomes easier once it's a habit, but like as you're kind of pushing the rock up the hill, so to speak, like how were you staying consistent? Like what was your process? What was your system that you were so consistent? First, I would say I probably spend too much time on Twitter. <laughs> So um, maybe not the best example. I'm, I'm maybe not the best example there. But as far as consistency goes, man, I'm just like everybody else. I'm, I'm not. Uh, there are things I'm consistent at and there's things I'm not. There's things I wish I was more consistent at than I am. I tend to be an all or nothing person. I'm either on or I'm off. So if I'm if I'm in on something, I'm all in and, and I'm and I, you can you can bet I'll be there if I'm out, then I'm out. And so for me, when I decide to do something and I guess that's what I would I guess that's what I would say to people is if you decide you're going to do something, then do it, really do it. Give it your all be all in. And then if it works awesome keep going if it doesn't work then you can't say man i didn't you don't you, there's no second guessing to be done if you if you really give it your all when you try and it doesn't work then 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 maybe it's just not for you or maybe you need to go in a different direction or maybe that's not your lane or you know whatever the case may be you but you can't go back and say, well, I just didn't try that hard. To me, that's, that's like the ultimate failure is if something didn't work, but you know, you didn't really give it your all. Well, then you don't know if it worked. You know, what you know is you didn't try. And so whenever I, I started out with Twitter specifically, I just made a commitment to myself that I'm going to really try this, the good, the bad, and the ugly. If I do this for two or three months and I just get ripped to shreds and told what an idiot I am, then I'll probably stop doing it and, and I'll go try <laughs> something else. But I'm really, but I'm going to, 
I'm going to try and step past that point of being scared or worrying about what people are going to think and just put some stuff out there and see what happens. And I think that's true in, in a lot of walks of life. You know, I keep using the, the, the analogy of exercise, but you know, everybody's got a first day at the gym, right? Where they, they walk in and you're either overweight or you're, or you're the super skinny guy that looks like they've never seen a weight. And there's, you look around the room and there's all these people in great shape and physical health. Well, man, they didn't start out that way. So, you know, how they got there was showing up every day and, you know, combining a bunch of small factors together to, to equal to where they are today. And any, anything else is, in life is the same way. You know, if you want to be good at your job, show up early every day, stay late, do what's asked. When you get done with something, ask, is there anything else I can do? Ask, what could you have done better? All these kinds of things are all little things you can combine together, you know, to equate to long-term, long-term success and long-term, you know, improvement. And so to me, that's all consistency is a is a term that's i use it all the time but it's probably overused in in the in the respect that really all consistency is is just showing up every day and trying to do something a little better today than what you did yesterday and and understanding that if you show up today and today sucks and it doesn't go well don't don't fall off the horse completely come back come back tomorrow and try it again and that's that's one thing i'm i'm guilty of is you know i'm the guy that works out 90 days in a row and then i miss day 91 and day 91 turns into i miss the next two months Mm. and i don't do anything and and then i go back and i get on another streak again and same thing with writing, same thing with, with with anything else you're trying to improve at is the biggest thing I've had to learn about consistency is consistency doesn't mean that you never miss. It doesn't mean that you can't ever screw up. What it What it more so means to me is that when you do mess up or you miss a day or you're off, that you show up the next day and try again. That that to me is the most most important part of being consistent. When you write to to bring it back to the to Twitter world and the writing world, man, when I write something that gets fifty likes and no one cares about when I've written something that got fifty thousand likes. When I write the one that gets fifty and and the only comment is somebody telling me that it's terrible. I just think, okay, that one didn't work. That doesn't mean I'm done. That doesn't mean I'm not going to try again. That doesn't mean, you know, that you're terrible as a person or you're no longer valuable. It it just means, hey, this one didn't work. Um, but keep going, keep trying. You know, I think it's a great point. I think it's something that you see a lot with athletes as well. I remember there's a there's a quote by Michael Jordan where he's like, 
I've missed a ton of game-winning shots. Mm-hmm. I missed layups. I've missed three-pointers. I've missed everything. But the thing that's special about me is that I take the next one. And it's really just having that process kind of mindset where you kind of understand like not hitting the shot or having a tweet that doesn't hit. It's just part of the game. Yeah, it's just life. It's just life. You know, same thing in the business world. You know, nobody cares about Nobody cares about all the times you failed. Nobody cares about the 15 startups that you worked on that failed and you lost money and went nowhere. Nobody cares. What they care about is the one that you got it right and now you're an overnight success. That's the story everybody tells. It's like the gambler that goes to the casino. The gambler talks about the time he hit and he won a bunch of money. You never hear all the stories about the 10 times before that he went and lost everything he went into the casino with, because that's not a fun story. So same thing with any type of, uh, of consistency or success in life is it's fun to tell the story of when you made it and when you got it right. Like it's, It's fun to talk about the thread that went viral. It's fun to talk about the business that, that you, that got acquired for millions of dollars. It's fun to talk about, you know, the record that you set athletically after what, what often gets lost is the, the years of training and the years of work when no one's watching and no one cares, but that's what it takes to get to to that point is, you know, nobody's, nobody's sitting around looking at anything I write when I write four or five different threads during the week. And I only post one of them because the other four or five are horrible or I, or, or, you know, or I, I just hate them, you know, that, but that's just, that's just part of it is, you know, continually striving to, keep showing up, keep doing the same thing, you know, to ultimately result in something that people say, wow, that's good. Or, wow, you know, I read somewhere once that, you know, the the best writing looks like it was easy, looks like it was effortless, mm-hmm. you know, looks, you know, if you read it and it looks really easy and looks really simple, that means it probably took forever mm-hmm. to write. Yeah. And and I think that's true with a lot of things that, you know, if if anything looks really good, it probably took a lot of work behind the scenes to to get to that Mm, point. Definitely. Okay, I'm just being cognizant of the clock. I had one one more question that I wanted to ask you, but I know that we're a bit over time. Do you have a few more minutes or I'm also fine to just end that? Sure, sure. Okay, cool. Sure. So the last thing I wanted to touch upon was you spoke about the value of like showing up every day. I kind of want to go a bit deeper into that. Like, how do you show up every day? Because I think we've all kind of had those moments. Maybe it's like, I don't know, maybe you lost your job. Maybe something bad has happened. You had a bad day and you're in your mind. You're like, I don't want to do this anymore. You're kind of just done with the whole thing. What is kind of your process to show up again 
the next day and keep things in perspective? Man, p- humans are humans are interesting. What I always tell myself is whatever mood I'm in in that moment is going to change. It'll change. Yeah, you know, like the weather, you know, whatever whatever I'm feeling in that moment that I don't want to do X, whatever X is, a couple of things. One, usually if you'll if you'll take the first step, once you're once you're into doing whatever that is, the feeling of not wanting to do it goes away pretty quickly. It's it's usually the the whole failure to launch, failure to start that is that's the hardest part to get over. I'm not sure if you've read it. If you haven't, you should. David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me, is pretty great. But he has something in that book where he talks about how he runs every single day and that the first one of the first things he does is gets up and goes over and puts his shoes on because that's just like a barrier that he said, man, that's the hardest thing is once I've gone over and put my shoes on, laced them up, I'm not going to take them back off because now the mental hurdle has switched. Now my shoes are on. I've got to sit here and really make a conscious decision to take them back off, to be lazy, to not go do what I'm, what I'm thinking I should do. I've switched the decision. Now the decision is not doing it rather than doing it. So that always, that line in that book always stuck with me that, you know, if you can make the decision to just go to the gym, just start writing, even if you have nothing to write about, whatever it is, just start. Generally, once you're in, once you're moving, you'll keep moving. You know, so that's, and and I I struggle with it like every everyone else. There's days I wake up where the the absolute last thing I want to do is go to work. But but what else what else comes with that decision is what you have to ask yourself. If if I don't go to work and I don't do what I'm supposed to do today, then what else? What other decisions am I making by making that one decision? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so you know if I'm not gonna if I'm not going to eat right today, then what what other dominoes are going to then fall? Well, I'm I didn't eat right today, so who cares if I exercise mm. today? Well, I didn't eat right and I didn't exercise today, so who cares how late I stay up today? And, you know, at least for me, then it becomes just a then it just becomes a never-ending train of, well, I, I've made a couple bad choices today. I'm just going to make mm-hmm. ten bad. You know, today is ruined. So for me, I, I find decisions tend to flow. They kind of link together. If you can make, if you can string, start off with good decisions, you can probably string a few more good decisions along with that, and it works both ways. Mm-hmm. If you start out with bad decisions, uh, it, it'll probably keep going, keep going in that same direction. So, for consistency' sake, for showing up every day, man, mornings are a big deal to me. If if you can get up in the morning and have a routine and start off, you know, Sorry, with some 
start off with some type of mindfulness or prayer or exercise or whatever it is for you to kind of get your mind in the right place. Then for me, the rest of the day seems to go better. Yeah. If, if I get up and, you know, go through a set set of processes in the morning, then the rest of the day seems to go better. If I, if I have a morning where I oversleep and I don't exercise and I miss my alarm and I'm running late, then the rest of the day doesn't seem to go that well either. And, and so, like I said, for me, that is, that's where I would say to start is I'm a big believer on in process and in steps and having some structure and organization to what you do. And that, that to me helps with, with being consistent. And, and I keep saying it, but it's so true. I mean, I, I build all the processes and procedures I want, and I'm still a human being. I, I, I still don't work out as much as I, as I probably should. I don't eat right all the time, but when I do those things, magically the other aspects of life seem to go seem to go better as well i love it no it's it's great it's such a great point and i think one of the things i've noticed is when things aren't going well we tend to look at everything in the macro so we look at everything in terms of oh i haven't worked out in this amount of time in three months and i'm not doing this right and i'm not doing this right and i find the people that are successful, they tend to look at things very micro. They're just trying to get their morning right. They're just trying to wake up yeah. and feel good. They're just trying to go to the gym. that they're... And it's interesting because um, I've been reading Will Smith's book and he talks about this one experience when he was a kid and his dad got him to build a wall, like a brick wall. And he was like, how am I going to build a mm -hmm. wall? And he was saying he was so frustrated uh, he couldn't figure it out. He spent months. He could not figure out how to build this wall. And his dad said to him, look, don't, the problem is you're thinking about building the whole wall. Just take a single brick and think, how can I place that brick as perfectly as possible? And then do that day after day yep. after day after day. And that's exactly what you're talking about, right? Which is like, just break it down. Yeah, like I'm sure, 100%. And I'm sure for you, you never... I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but you probably never expected to have over 100,000 followers on Twitter. No. But you built it up over time. No, if, if you had told me, if you, I say this all the time, if, if you had told me seven or eight months ago that in seven or eight months, I would have 130,000 followers and be talking to some of the people I... I talk to on a regular basis now and have some of the connections I have and being asked to be on podcasts, I, I would have said, you're an idiot. You're crazy. There's no way, you know, that that's going to happen. And, and to build on that same point, a, a couple of, of larger accounts, I was, I was lucky enough to connect with early on and, and build some real friendships. And a couple of them told me early on that, you know, that at the time they were around a hundred thousand followers and I was around four or 5,000. And I remember talking to them and they said, man, 
I don't feel any different today, you know, than I did when I was just starting out. And I remember thinking, yeah, right. You've got a hundred some thousand followers. Of course you feel different. Of course, you know, man, you've got this many followers and now, you know, shoes on the other foot. I don't feel any different. I, I understand. I understand that I have a bigger platform now. I understand that there's more eyes on what I'm doing. So I, I'm not blind to the fact that there, some things have changed with scale. That said, I'm still the same person. You know, I, I still, I'm still genuinely surprised when something resonates with people. I still genuinely want to help people that reach out to me it's getting harder because there's a there's a lot more of them but i really do want to help because i'm not so far removed from five thousand followers that i don't remember what it was like to to write something and have absolutely no one care and you spend hours on it so i try to see as much of those as i can see and comment as as often as i can while you know, still trying to manage. I have a marriage. I have a young son. I have a full-time job. I've got, you know, I, I keep saying I'm just a, I'm just a person. So I've got, a, I've got all the, I've got all the normal stuff that everybody has going on, but, but no, it's, it's pretty surreal still to this point. I'm excited to see where it leads and, and what comes of it, but, but yeah, still, still, still shocked on a, on a regular basis that it is that it has grown as fast as as it has grown you, you know what's funny just to just to finish off you know what's funny so before we started i think you made like a comment like i hope i don't disappoint or something and let, let me tell you this <laughs> yeah. has not this yeah. is not disappointed there's a i think there's a lot of great i think well, there's a lot of great value in this one i hope so